One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really. All right, welcome back. We got a hot podcast coming up. We got lots of things to talk about. We got uh, the Nashville Comedy Festival coming up next week. Uh, we got a hot where we've been, where we're going section. Let's get into it. My name's Dusty Slay. I'm Hannah Hogan. This is the We're, we're Having, Having a, a Good, good time, time Podcast. So we're back, um, and we're in our in our new studio. We still don't have the video hooked up the way we want it to, <laughs> but it's been a slow move. Everything has been very slow because, you know, we, we moved, and then it's like we're here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we're gone for four days. Our whole life is basically a blur. Yeah, it's like I was trying – I had such a good time where I was at this weekend. But I couldn't remember the name of the club. I loved it. I had a great time. I and and I could not come up with it. It's like all the travel in between everything kind of gives us amnesia, and then we get back to each other in our in our apartment, and we're like, "What did we even just do?" Right. It's like it really is like we're jumping in and out of weird realities, and we like people are like, "Where are you at next week?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't." No. Yeah, and it's like also the the physical ramifications of the job we have doing stand up and putting ourselves through, you know, the anxiety of performance, whether we're inured to it or not at this point. So our bodies and our spirits are emotionally exhausted after a weekend of performing yet our minds have sort of blacked it out because of the travel and the, and just the constancy of 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 doing it every weekend in different cities. Yeah, I mean, I have uh, videos to edit. I've done several things that I've made videos, and I want to edit and put more YouTube content out there of, you know, me on the road kind of stuff. But I just, I'm just like here and there and going, and I love it. I'm having a great time, but it is a lot of travel and it is a lot of a bit of a blur. And uh, yeah, and then me and you have to still work on our marriage and you know all that hullabaloo. Yes. So we we can't just jump into the making videos and the social media pop ups because right. it's like oh we have to like reconnect as partners and right. it's sometimes like I, wanna... I look at Dusty and I'm like what's his name even I don't even know well I never feel that way but uh, well you know we're different people and uh, I just uh, yeah feel like that I'm like well I'd like to edit these videos but I'd also like to spend time with my wife and then when I'm in a hotel I'm like. Um, I'm like, uh, I'd like to... You don't even remember what you're like. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like in a hotel and I'm like... uh, I do that all the time, actually. I I notice that I'll be talking to somebody and then I'll I'll go into like I'm about to say something else. And then I'll say something like... And you know, like... And then I'll just stop talking (laughs) and they're just listening like, like what? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't... I just continued on as if I had something to say, but it never came. But yeah, I mean, I'm in my hotel and I'm like, well, I want to sleep all day, you know, or I want to, you know, and I got to say this. I mean, people always think it's gross whenever like something's wrong with your computer keyboard, like you've been doing something gross. But I think I spilled like ginger ale or something on my keyboard a long time ago. So when it's hot out, my keyboard works great. But when it's kind of cold... My keyboard's all crunchy, and it's like I can't. It's hard to type, and it's hard, so I'm like, ah, I don't even want to deal with this right now, you know. And it's like, so I could edit videos on the road, but I'm always just, just like, oh, my keyboard's crunchy again today. You know? Oh man, is that really what keeps you from working sometimes? Is just the cackle of your computer? It's not that. It's not the noise. It's that the key keys are actually hard to punch. 
So I'll be typing and then I'll realize, oh, I, the space bar didn't work the entire time I was typing or whatever. And You're a bit of a slow typer too. You're a bit of like the single digit typer. I'm not that slow, but I actually have typed so much that I realized the other day that I was kind of typing without even really looking at the keyboard. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm like, how did this happen? Well, it happens just through muscle memory. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, I realized that I, I type very fast. And uh, I realized I don't look at the computer when I type at all. Um, and that only occurred to me maybe like a year or two ago. And it's kind of exciting because, you know, you when you're first starting to type, it is very tedious and it takes forever to type. But I write every day on my computer, so I'm pretty quick now. I could be a 1950s typist at this point. Yeah. 1950s secretary or something like yeah, that. Yeah, let's do – let's try to do a little uh, – just a little video here uh, of us. And uh, – Oh, wow. Live in the moment? Are we live – we should live on Instagram. We should. Uh, let's see if we could do – We're going to go live on the gram. Let's see if we can um, – I'm back on Instagram and then it's very depressing for me. Hey. Okay. So are we live right now? No, no. I mean give me a second Oh, here. okay. So let's go live. Checking connection. Now we're live. All right. So, hey. So this is what we look like recording our podcast. Look at this. We got all this foam up here. I don't know if I hung the foam right. Uh, currently, I'm not sure that there's anyone watching. But we're live. And uh, and maybe I'll just try to set this up. And, all right. And, uh, might, that might be the easiest way for us to do a video. Is just put it live on Instagram. Well, we'll get it one day. Yeah. We'll get it one day. Can we both get in there? I think that you'll have to maybe make some effort to... Well, you know, I don't like to make effort. Actually, you know that I like to make too much effort and then be exhausted by the effort that I have made. I think that the effort is pointless. Right, so here here we are. We're both in there. And we don't have to... We're not going to do the whole thing live, but we just want to do a little portion of people to say, hey, this is what we're doing to the two people that are watching live. This is how, I don't know if other people can see how many people are watching. We might make out at the end of this. You might want to stay tuned. Have you ever um, clicked onto someone's live video and then there was like only one person watching and that's you? <laughs> <laughs> and then you and they're like, "Hey!" and you feel locked in. <laughs> You're like, "Now I can't just get right off of this." Yeah, I mean, the thing about the internet is it's very depressing if you're not very popular on the internet. Yeah. I think it's also depressing probably if you are popular on the internet. It seems like there's still some problems that go along with that, but I mean, I remember when I was like on TV shows in Canada and Facebook was around, and I didn't even think about it at the time, and then like a couple years ago I started being like, I hate the internet. This is embarrassing. I'm like, oh, it's because I'm not as successful anymore. It's like only fun to be on the internet if you're hot. If you're not hot, it's very difficult yes. to be on the internet. It's very depressing. Well, yeah, I mean, all right, I'm 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 about done with the live video. Sorry about that. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Oh, we got some messages, though. I appreciate you guys tuning Let's in. Let's keep it on. Why not? I don't like it. Well, I'm sorry that I made a downer about the in- Instagram. Yeah, we had a good time. We appreciate you guys tuning in. It's This is the new crib, and uh, it's hard to... For me to do the podcast and focus on this video and other things that are going on. All right. I'll get better as we go. We're going to start doing a little more uh, live recordings, and we will get more videos going as this thing goes on. Let me say bye. Do we have more than one person? We do. That's great. Yeah, we've been growing the whole time. Yeah. So... Uh, we will do more of these, and we'll let we'll make announcements that we're going to go live and do it. So, thank you guys. Uh, we're having a good time. We're having a good time. All right. So that's the end of the the live video that we just did. So back to auditory. Back to the real podcast. Where we've been, where we're going, where they go, where they've been, where they go. Where, where they've been. Where we're going. Where we've been. All right. This weekend, I went to Rochester, New York to comedy at the Carlson. And I'd like to talk about this for a minute because I had a great time. I'd never been to Rochester. I went up there. They put me in, they said, the nicest hotel in Rochester. It was very nice because you, you can, I can always tell when a hotel is nice based on how poorly 
the other people staying there treat me. And uh, and when when they're treating me bad, that's when I know it's a nice hotel. Why? Because they act snooty to me. The, the management? No, no. Other people staying there. Oh. The people that work at the hotel are always nice to me. So you think that the other guests size you up? Or do you think rich people are just generally mean? I don't I don't know. I don't think it's any of those things. Oh. I think that people staying in the nicest hotel anywhere feel like they're better than you. Now, I don't think that all of those people are rich. I think probably most of them aren't rich. People save up money to go and stay in nice hotels. So they're not rich. That I find that I actually find Dude, if I made a hundred K, I would find the nicest hotel in Rochester, New York and just live the dream. <laughs> right. I'm I find that that rich people aren't all that rude, right? Because rich people most of the time have had money forever or they have acquired it and now they're like freedom and they're having a good time. Right. I, I think the opposite. I think a lot of rich people are miserable because they thought that when they get these riches and fortunes, they would feel better, but they're actually still miserable. I guess there's probably diversity even amongst rich people. For sure. But so what I'm saying is, though, I think that like this is my feeling on New York City, right? A lot of times I feel like the rudest people in New York City aren't the people that are actual New Yorkers, but the people that have moved to New York and heard that New York is a rude city. So they're like, I'm going to move to the rude city so I can show my inner rudeness to everyone. And that's what I think. They're like, I'm in New York City, dude. This is what this is how you act up here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas like actual New Yorkers, when you go into a store or something like that, are very nice. I mean, that's my experience. But I'm also nice to people. So I find a lot of times... When I'm nice to people, people are just nice to me. But I also, you know, I get how I I look and I I enjoy that. I enjoy wearing the hat, having the hair, and having people think that I'm a hick. And I love it because I'm having a good time out here. I like for people to look at me uh, certain ways. I get into it. Well, I think your look combined with what comes out of your mouth when people hear you talk (laughs) is like, what is this guy? (laughs) Is he for real or is is he a salesman? Is he about to sell me something? You know, and it and it doesn't seem real, but I think once you talk and you connect with you and you look you in the eyes, you get a real feeling of authenticity from you. So that really, you know, lures people in and wants right. want you know, people want to talk to you. Like I went to the bar at the hotel and uh, one of the other comics was with me and uh I worked with two comics, Sean and Dan, this weekend and we had a great time. And uh Oh, we went up to the bar, and I was just like, it was Dan, and we went up there, and I was just like, hey, can I get, you have non-alcoholic ginger beer? And the, and she was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, can I have one of those and a water? And then she looked at me like, is that it? And I was like, yeah, that's that's it. And, uh, and then she goes and gets them, and I'm like, can I just charge this to the room? And she kind of gives me this hand thing, like, don't even worry about it. But she did it in a real kind of rude way where it was like, all right, I, I'm not an alcoholic in here, and I'm sorry I'm not getting wasted and paying for your, your rent this month. But, I, you know, I still tipped. You know, I'm just like I don't – I'm not trying to get free stuff off of you. I'm just trying to not get wasted here. I don't know why bartenders are so surprised that people are recovered alcoholics since they're constantly dealing with people who most likely drink too much. They talking trash. They talking smack. Telling so many lies, I know they're full of crap. That's okay, haters gonna hate. Uh-huh. I'll play at Stinky's Joke Barn for them any day. They, they, they talking trash. It's like, isn't that obvious that there's people that should stop drinking? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've had a lot of bartender friends and uh, and also, you know, waited tables a long time. So I always had like bartenders that I worked with. I mean, bartenders really think they're better than everyone else. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like uh, when I used to like – you know, bartender was like uh, like a promotion from waiting tables. So I would wait tables with people, and then they would become bartenders. And their whole attitude towards you changes when they become a bartender. It's like, take it easy. Why? What, what do you think it is about a bartender's? I don't know. I think they have the power over people's liquor. Right. You know, people coming in there, and they're like, I want to get a drink. And then it's like, you're almost like a pharmacist for alcohol. Right. Yeah, like they think they're like an alchemist or something like right. They, they're right near prescriptions. A toxin mixologist. 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 Yeah, I guess it is sort of a coveted spot, right? Like when you work in the restaurant, it's like hard to become a bartender. Right. 
first yeah. if you are a dish boy you want to become a waiter and then when you're a waiter you want to become a bartender yeah yeah, yeah. but it's like the very elitist and uh so it's like when you go to you know i'm like i don't want to be rude but you work at a hotel and uh you know and i I'm not judging you, but don't judge me. But anyway, the rest of the hotel was very nice, very friendly, and I'm sure Except this— Except for all those people that weren't. Well, that was um, people staying there. Okay. People staying at places. You know, that's not the hotel's fault. Yeah. But the um, the people at the club were very nice to me. Uh, we had su- I had such a great time, great weekend. The, the staff at that club was very nice, and the comics that I worked with were also very nice. And— um, we had a great time. We went out for cigars late at night, and uh, this guy at this the first cigar bar that we went to, he he came and he's on Thursday. He was like, "Oh man!" and he was like talking to me like, you know, like like I was famous because I am very famous. And he was like, "Oh man, I want to get down to the club and see you this weekend, but I'll just be working all weekend." And then and he was just so nice, right? He just kept getting things. He seemed pretty wasted, but he kept getting us stuff. And then as I'm leaving, he goes, "Well, just so you know." Uh, if you come here tomorrow and Saturday, there won't be anybody in here that knows you. <laughs> and it's like it's like all right, dude. You could have just could have just left it at you recognize me. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, How do you know they're not going to know me? And do you not think I've never been to a place where people don't know me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it was all great. Uh, you know the owners, Suresh and uh, Mark, very nice, um, and uh, Todd. Youngman, very Did you nice. go to the Kodak Museum? I did not. I've been there. I walked by it. I've been there. It's really cool. Is it? Yeah. I mean, Kodak is one of the biggest, richest families in America, but it also, they invented the camera. Did they invent the crazy. camera? I think so. Or at least they invented the mainstream camera, the one that, you know, was put on the market and become accessible for people to use. Yeah. You know, downtown Rochester, the, where Kodak used to be, they had mansions built for all of the executives of Kodak. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole strip was very nice. It's, it was really cool. I went inside that house. That's cool. I, was, I went to Rochester, New York for a lesbian feature film uh, festival about 10 years ago. Story time with Dusty and Hannah. Yeah. Oh. So that's what brought me there. How was that? Um, it was fine. <laughs> 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 you know, it sounds like I should reveal more information, but back in the day, this is before the recession of 2008. I mean, film festivals, even, you know, low-key lesbian and gay festivals used to fly people to their festivals. So that year I went to places all over America on the festival's dime to just, you know, come and, you know, be there for the film that I was in. Huh. Yeah, I went to Miami. I went to Rochester, New York. I went to Long Island. I went to uh, Chicago. I went to L.A. Yeah, and now that uh, lesbian feature film is on YouTube where I'm in my underwear, and that came out before YouTube even existed, so I'm real happy that that's still out there. (laughs) That was a really good decision I made when I was 20. Well, you know, nowadays, everything that you do, every time you film something, it's going to be out there forever. Dude, there is so much stuff of me on the internet, and a lot of it is gay-oriented as well. Well, that's why people get mad when, like, comics don't want them filming them on – like, I I did this show, not you know, like a a bar show, and this guy was filming me. He was clearly filming me, and I was like – I just, you know, I'm trying to be nice about it. I'm like, hey, you're not putting that on YouTube, are you? And he goes, no, it's not that funny. And it was like, all right, well, don't film at all then. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, but it's like, I don't, if you film me and put it on YouTube, it's hard to get it off. And I, it's like, it's. There's my, literally my first stand-up set ever is on YouTube. And the guy that uploaded it claims he cannot remember the passwords. He claims he has tried to do everything he can to get it down. I have reported it several times to YouTube to get it removed, and no one can seem to do anything. Yeah, which I've is also reported another, it. Which is another reason why it's annoying not being famous, because I know famous people get stuff off the internet all the time, like with the snap of their fingers. And yet, this thing that's 10 years old with me doing a damn character piece for my literally first stand-up, and it's my highest-watched video because it's so old. And they don't even have a, a, um, an option on YouTube, like... When you report, there should be an option that says, this is a video of me. 
Yeah. And I don't want it on YouTube. Yeah. Well, that's what I always try to say is like it's it's infringing my rights because it's up and I don't want it to be there. They're always and like, YouTube's like, no, there's no violation. I'm like, I'm violated every second that it's on. We can't we can't see how it's a violation. That's what they say. And it's like, well, I don't want it on there. And yeah. it's me. There's so much stuff of me on YouTube that I, I am unable to remove. It is the thorn in my side. And honestly, thinking about it makes me really aggravated. I try, right. I try not to think about it. I like block my YouTube videos out in a similar vein as I block out my childhood trauma. Like I just can't <laughs> let myself go there. Well, that's pretty dark. So um, where you been? <laughs> um, okay, right. So this weekend... I was in Brevard, North Carolina, which is about 40 minutes south of Asheville, North Carolina. And, um, I, yeah, I did a, sh- a show at the DFR room, and that was really fun. I worked with my friend Blair Nias, and uh, she was really fun and funny. Then I did a show on Saturday night in Asheville at the Lazoom room with a Melissa Hahn joint, and Gil- Gilbert Lawlins uh, was headlining, and it was really fun. And, Got to do some time. I got to hang out in Asheville. Um, one of my favorite places to eat is Biscuit Head in Asheville, and they just have you know Southern biscuits. Love a good biscuit. They have a biscuits whole- are like spoons you can eat. <laughs> okay, I thought there was going to be more to that, but <laughs> yeah. And the great thing about that is like you, they give you biscuits, but then they give you like forty different types of jam. And gosh, it makes me want to eat a biscuit right now. So I always go there when I go to uh, Asheville. And this Saturday was one of the warmest days in, in Asheville that, yet this year. So it was like there's so many people walking around and had a lot of, of foot traffic, which was cool. And so I had a good time there. Um, yeah. So that was my weekend. And are we talking about where we're going to go? Well, I'm going to Crackers this weekend. Crackers in Indianapolis. I uh, haven't been in almost a year, probably a little more than a year, and I'm excited to go back. I used to go three times a year as a feature, and now that I'm headlining, I don't get to go as often, and I'm excited to go. Awesome. I love Crackers, and uh, I love Indianapolis, uh, and I'm excited to go. I, I hope that they have people from Indianapolis listening, and I hope they come because – uh, I want to hang with you. I want you to come see Michelle. And then on uh, – uh, you go ahead with yours and then I'll talk about the show I have next week. This weekend I'm going to be in Kansas City, uh, called uh, area called Overland Park. I'm going to be at the Clint's Comedy Spot Thursday through Saturday. That's Kansas City, Overland Park, Clint's Comedy Spot. All right. Yeah. And then next week uh, on Wednesday, so I may even have a podcast prior to that, but next Wednesday I'll be doing my show, Dusty Slay's Grand Ole Comedy Show, as part of the Nashville Comedy Festival. So I'll have a lot of out-of-town comics like uh, uh, Caleb Sinan, um, Don DePetta, uh, but also Aaron Weber uh, and uh, Dustin Nickerson, who uh, – and then – uh, and then Hannah is going to be on the show. Oh, me. Yeah, 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 me. My wife. Very excited. This is my first time performing at the Nashville Comedy Festival. And I yeah. do not mind that there's a little bit of nepotism involved. So, I don't know what that means. Nepotism means you get something through a connection with someone. Oh, who's yeah. Usually familial. Oh, okay. Well, yes. So it's going to be great. I mean, it's a lot of, lot of people on the show. I don't think the other people will be doing a ton of time. It'll mainly be me. Uh, I'll selfishly take over the entire show. But I'm happy to have these people on my show. They're very funny people, and I'm happy to have them on. And then um, and then that'll be the 10th of April. And then on April 12th, uh, I'll be making my glorious return to the Grand Old Opry. Wow, right here in Nashville, Tennessee, folks. Yes. You know, you pretty much uh, got a residency there, it seems yeah. like. You're really kind of popping in and out. And for country music fans, um, I don't know – you know how many country music fans are listening but last night i uh, at my show with Kathleen Madigan um um Trace Atkins was at my show last night what Trace, Trace Atkins. Atkins and Trace Atkins oh my gosh this is actually my favorite song by Trace Atkins right here i forgot about this one this is my favorite wow i love Trace Atkins yes here it is Every light in your house is on. 
It's kind of like noon in the dead of night. Every light in the house is on. Just in case you ever do get tired, he's gone. But I met him last night, and uh, this is uh, a song that a few other people know. Whoa, a little remix in there. <laughs> yeah. That guy's trying to be a new country, it sounds like, right there. Uh, he is like 6'8". Uh, I saw him at the Grand Old Opry last week when I met Charlie Daniels. And then uh, last night he was at my show, at uh, well, at Kathleen Madigan's show. But he told me that I was very funny. So. Wow, that's cool. I love Trace Atkins. <laughs> I do like Trace Atkins. I forgot he did Every Light and the House is On. That's a huge song. Yeah. Yeah, real formative in my childhood, for sure. Well, she, he says in the song, I told you I'd leave the light on in case you ever wanted to come back home, mm, right? So yeah. when, when she left him, he's like, every light's on. Yeah, yeah. Not just one. All of them are on. Yeah, he misses her. Yeah. That's relatable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, so... And so that's what we got going on. That's where we've been, where we're going. And now we got a little on the road segment because Hannah wants to talk a little bit about uh, an experience she had in Asheville, North Carolina. They're on the road again. Hannah and Dusty are on the road again. Telling super funny jokes to all their friends. Hannah and Dusty are on the road again. Yeah. Yeah, so I was in Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, I learned whilst being in Asheville that they had had some sort of water pipe explosion throughout the city. So in different spots of the city, when you turn the faucet or flush a toilet, it's like mud water, mud water. And, and when I arrived in my hotel, there was a sign that said there's been a sedimentation explosion, but health health people have said that it's okay to drink the water um but i mean you're not gonna drink the water when it looks like mud i love drinking brown water when someone said it's okay yeah i mean i don't (laughs) you know what i mean like i don't yeah the other thing you know i wanted to make like a cup of tea and i didn't have any of my water bottles in the room I'm like well what am i gonna do like you know drink drink chamomile and and Limestone. If I you, mean, if it's you, just if you close your eyes and pour it into the tea maker, when it comes out hot and mixes with the tea, you won't even know. Yeah, I guess. I'll tell you what I did. I used one of those like a Keurig type things at a hotel, and uh, I, I made coffee the first day, and then after that, I kept making tea, and I was like, "This tea is so brown. Like, what's going on with that?" And I forgot to take that original coffee. Uh, yeah, coffee thing. So I like made a bedtime tea one time at night, and it ran through the coffee thing. So I'm like, you know, I'm drinking coffee, trying to go to sleep. So. Yeah, that's a that's a mistake. That yeah. is a that is a mistake. That's a mistake. So yeah, I mean, and the thing about that is, you know, sometimes I have to buy hotels because the the clubs don't provide a accommodation for the for the comedians. So that was sort of my situation this weekend, where I where I. Where I get a hotel, but I get a discount because I write a positive review about the hotel. And most times I just grin and bear it. They'll, there may be issues with the hotel, but it's all about the positive review. But, I mean, I'm here at this hotel, and, you know, the water looks like mud. And I'm just kind of like, I mean, am I writing a positive review about a hotel that may be giving me some sort of water poisoning, you know, and I, and I am, I mean, I wrote a positive review. I was like, I love that they give fresh cookies at 5 PM. But you know, to be fair, it's not the fault of the hotel that the city failed. Yeah. The whole city is, you know, under duress. Yeah. They probably recycled, uh, you know, they recycled something and it probably has to do with all the flooding that's been going on. Probably. Although I don't know, it's up in the mountains. So I, I again, I was in Rochester and I hung out. I mean, this is my little on the road segment, and I just want to say I walked around the city of Rochester. I really enjoyed it. I uh, uh, had a great time hanging with people. I went to a barbecue pe- restaurant called um, called Dinosaur, 
which was opened by a former biker. And now it's a barbecue restaurant. It's very packed, very good, delicious beef brisket, coleslaw, macaroni and cheese. Maybe my last. And uh, very delicious. And um, the um, the um, they had a lot of bikers Were you in there. forgetting your words just now? Yes. They had a lot of Hell's Angels that came into there. And then at my last show, this guy came up. And introduced himself as a member of the Hells Angels, and he bought two of my CDs. So hopefully, I'll be very popular with the Hells Angels biker gang soon. I can see you be popular with them. Yeah. So and so that that was me on the road. I had a good time out there. And okay. So uh, we're um, we're gonna do an advice to comic segment. Okay. Advice, advice to comic. The uh, you know part of what we're doing right now we're we're, get, we're you know we're exhausted because we're just traveling all the time so we come together and we're like trying to talk about things and we're like we're just we're tired you know and uh, so but we want to give some advice to comics because someone messaged me earlier this week about what do you do about getting over nerves getting over stage fright and I think we've covered this before but there's always room to rethink things and rethink about things and and kind of give our thoughts on it because. My advice is 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 a little tricky because I don't think anything gives me confidence on stage like confidence in my jokes. If I go on stage knowing that I have great jokes because if I go on stage and the audience is into the off-the-cuff stuff that I'm doing, that's very fun. It's very fun to go up and be quirky and weird and just be like, oh, you know, doing weird things and the audience is just into it the whole time. That's very fun, but oftentimes I'll go up with that in mind thinking, you know what, I'm just going to be fun with the audience and we're just going to have a good time, and they do not laugh. Um, and Like last night, I uh, went up on stage at a sold-out show at Zany's, and um, I go up, I hit the stage, and I do my joke. I say, we're having a good time. You know, I like to tell people we're having a good time. I don't like to ask. A lot of comics come out here and they go, are we having a good time? Not me. I can't risk it, right? I like to do that, and a, a lot of times that gets a good laugh. Last night, that that joke got no laughs, and I was like, okay. But then the rest of my set crushed, right? I had one of my best sets last night after that. But the reason that is is because I didn't need to rely on that audience liking me necessarily as a person because I knew they were going to like my jokes. So my confidence came in to where I did this kind of quirky joke. It didn't get the laugh I wanted. Then I was like, I'm just going to hit them with jokes that I know are going to work. And then that's what I did. But what gave me the confidence to not kind of freak out in that moment when that opening joke didn't go well was like, I know they're going to like this next joke. And then I know they're going to like the joke after that and the joke after that. And to be honest, you can never be 100% sure that they're going to like anything. You can never trust that the audience is going to like that. But that's what confidence is. Confidence is knowing that they're going to like it whether they are going to like it or not. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because it's like you, – you, you know, it's like – you know, people used to say that like, you know, like, I don't know, going and talking to a girl, right? You don't know that the girl was going to like you talking to her, but confidence is thinking that she probably is going to like talking to you, right? That's what confidence is. So in the same sense, telling a joke, like, I don't know that the audience is going to like that, but my confidence says they probably going to like it. Now, Dusty, um, I know that you weren't always this moniker of the confident guy uh and you've expressed to me maybe the listeners don't know that you actually had a lot of problems with insecurities and not really being comfortable in your own skin how did you get to a place where you feel confident now well i think that all of those things come from you know who knows where our insecurities come from i could never say where where actually insecurities come from but it you know it can i think sometimes insecurities can be passed down uh from family members or from the people that you were uh, raised around or from other people that you're just hanging out with. I mean, they, they say things to you. I think I said this last week about Taco Bell, right? I used to really like Taco Bell. My friend said to me one time, I think Taco Bell's gross. It changed my perception of Taco Bell. So if you're hanging out with people and they're like, oh, this is who we are. Oh, we're these people. Then that can make you think that you're that type of person and it can lower your confidence. So 
building confidence in my life comes from personal uh, personal gain, like like I don't know uh, uh, accomplishments from accomplishing things and showing uh, that you can do this. Like a big, you know, I've I've been building confidence my whole life. I mean, I was more insecure in high school, and then the older I got, the more confidence that I built. But a big boost in confidence came for me uh, in my in, in at 29 years old when I quit drinking. I mean, when I quit drinking, it it was a it was an accomplishment for me because I struggled with drinking. I mean, as much as I had a great time doing it, and I did. I want to express, I want to really stress that I had a great time drinking, but. When I quit, that gave me this new confidence level because I'm like, wow, I really struggled to quit, but I did it, and I took control of my life. So taking control of – like I, I was working a job that I didn't really like. I was in debt to a car. I had all this debt. My car was worth less than what I owed on it. I had super high insurance payments. And I, I had a drinking problem. I was smoking tons of cigarettes. I was overweight, and I was like, I just, and I and I hated my job, and I just suddenly just took control of that. And when I did, I gained control of all of those things. I gained control of my weight, my job situation, my freedom. I got rid of the car. I sold it. I had no debt. I had, uh, you know, no high insurance payment, no drinking habit, no cigarette habit. It was all gone. And in that moment, I'm like, wow, I have just taken control of my entire life. And even like over your – So it sounds like little accomplishments add up and give you a sense of well-being right. and, and self-satisfaction. Because even your friends – I mean if you're, if you're currently struggling with drinking or, or any other kind of drug and all of your friends are doing them, when you quit that, there's a chance you're going to lose a lot of those friends because those friends still want to do that. So you're even taking control of your friendships with people because you're like, all right – you don't choose to lose them as friends. They choose to lose you as a friend because you're no longer participating in something that was causing you harm. So I like to call it like being a friend to yourself, like being a friend to yourself for tomorrow. So doing things today that your tomorrow self is going to thank you for. So instead of going out and getting wasted tonight, I'm not going to get wasted tonight because I want to wake up fresh fresh-minded tomorrow morning and right. you know i want to be a successful comedian so i'm not going to you know put myself into debt or waste all my money on drugs because i want to be able to save up money and focus on my craft right and i mean people yeah people you know a lot of times people want to act like quitting drinking is some kind of weakness like if you can't drink you're an alcoholic and alcoholism is a disease now you can believe whatever you want to believe but to me i don't believe that i don't believe that i have a disease i don't believe that i am a recovering alcoholic i believe that i recovered and that i conquered it now that's not to say – I think the reason that they phrase it in certain ways is because people will quit drinking for a while and they'll say, OK, I got this. This is no problem. Now I'll drink again. right? I know that I can't drink again, but I have conquered that. As long as I – now, if I drink again, then I've gone back on something that I've conquered. But that doesn't mean that – I don't give myself the excuse that I have a disease. Now – well, what if – okay, but we're talking about confidence and stand-up and, right, I'm, and I'm, being a confident stand-up. So what if someone isn't necessarily – on a bit of a tangent, but yes. Yeah, I know, and that's why I'm trying to reel, reel it in here is what if you're not an alcoholic? You don't have a substance abuse problem, but a lot of people that are drawn to stand-up you know, may be kind of insecure. I mean you got to have something in you to, to prove yourself or make a group of people laugh. You know, you gotta you gotta want to get that from somewhere well, because you're trying to fill something else. So I, it's like, what would you say to people that are just generally insecure but don't need to wipe out some sort of addictive behavior? Well, I think that the first question that you need to ask yourself is, are you actually funny? Do you make the people around you laugh? Right? Because if you don't, that doesn't mean you can't do comedy. There's still a chance that you could be good at comedy if you learn to really write jokes. But if you're not funny ever maybe comedy is not the way to go but if you are funny and you're now just wanting to take that and put it on stage then i mean you just got to work on your jokes i mean there's nothing that can substitute for just putting in the work right i mean it's like 
Sometimes it's like when I'm hanging out with people, they don't think I'm very funny. Or when I'm on the podcast, I'm not super funny. But it's like I'm not always trying to be funny. But when I'm on stage, that's my goal. I'm going up there to be funny. And I I, saw, I tell people now that like doing comedy has almost given me this the freedom to not have to be funny all the time. I don't feel the need to be on all the time because I have my outlet for comedy. I want to be serious. Let's be serious out here now. And uh, but you know that's what I say. I mean, nothing is going to give you confidence on stage like knowing that the jokes you're about to tell are going to work. Now, in order to reach that. You're going to have to write funny jokes and you're going to have to just – I mean there was a long time where I did comedy where I didn't actually have fun on stage. I only had fun after I was done and it went well. I wasn't having a good time on stage because I was living in fear that the next joke was going to bomb and then I was going to be stuck up there with jokes that are bombing. Now, that was a real fear for me, but I just did it anyway. Until I reached the point where, where I got comfortable with myself on stage. But I mean, again, that goes back to the place of I have always been funny for my friends. I have always been a funny person. I was always funny in the classroom. So I knew I had that in me. It was just trying to get it out and express it to people on stage. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, that I've had a, a lot of school of hard knocks. I'm not a really confident person. I mean, you know, I think I can appear confident, but I definitely don't have that, oh, well, these people don't like this. I'm, I'm kind of working at I hope this works most of the time. But what I will say is that something that has really helped me is to stop making excuses for when I'm not funny. Like, you know, I went through a year where I felt like I had, like when I was working in the South a lot in rural spots, I thought that my opening joke had to explain why I was a woman on stage. It was really pathetic. Like I had to like make a joke about me being a girl because I thought that the whole audience was thinking, why is this woman on stage? And, you know, sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes you do get, you know, a, a psychic instinct, whether it's, you know, misplaced mind reading or not, that, you know, the audiences maybe generally thinking that a woman's not going to be funny. And, you know, sometimes you get that feeling and, and it's a bit of an uphill battle. But I had to let that go because the only anecdote to that is to make them laugh. And if I go on stage thinking they're not going to think I'm funny because I'm a girl or they're not going to think I'm funny because this is a more conservative audience – they're not going to think I'm funny because this is a, a black audience. They're not going to think I'm funny because this is an older audience. Like, you know, I have those thoughts in my head a lot. And I see that happen to other comedians that I work with where, you know, they'll get off stage after a bad set and be like, well, it's because this audience was, you know, a bunch of conservatives or whatever. And they don't like my, you know, hip cosmopolitan liberal leaning jokes. And that may be true. They don't like your hip cosmopolitan liberal leaning jokes. But what is true is that you don't have jokes that are appealing enough to people on both sides of the aisle. And if that's what your choice is as a comedian, then fine. But it also means that you you are not going to be able to work very much. Right. And it's like sometimes if you – like I think that's a great point. It's, it's like sometimes an audience will not like you because of your jokes. But that comes with the ability to read the room. You know, I mean, if you're doing – I got a joke about Home Depot. I mean it's an old joke. I like it and I just, I just say uh, – uh, it ends with a suicide joke, right? It's barely a suicide joke. But if I'm doing, you know, some charity for suicide prevention, that's not, I don't, I don't use that joke. I don't come out and go, hey, Home Depot, suicide. Am I right, guys? And then I go, that audience didn't like me because they can't take a joke, right? It's like, know your audience. I mean, I just think it doesn't help you to make excuses why you don't do a good job because ultimately totally. the reason you didn't do a good job is because you didn't make them laugh and they didn't like you. So, you know, if that happens every once in a while, that's pretty much a normal thing. But if that's happening a lot or that happens multiple times in a row, instead of copping out and being like they're sexist, they're racist, they're this, they're that, maybe check yourself and check your jokes and check – your approach to stand up. Are you doing everything you can do 
to be the best comedian you can be? Are you writing every day? Or are you, you know, doing something that makes you creative and creating jokes every day? If you're not someone that sits in front of a laptop, you know, are you listening back to your sets? Are you, you know, actively, you know, in trying to improve upon your sets, retiring old jokes, working on new material? Like, are you doing those things? Because a lot of the time people that you know, complain about the isms of society aren't even working at full capacity. And I mean, that's my opinion because I've had to check myself a lot. And it's, you want to blame external reasons why you're not doing well. But ultimately, it's either you're being funny or you're not being funny. And if you want to be funny, you need to check yourself and really take out all victimhood and just say, this is how I'm going to be funny. Because the funniest people are funny no matter what their skin color is, no matter what their gender is, and no matter what their politics are. Because funny people connect with uh, with uh, with people's humanity. Connect. Great, uh, great, great uh, thought there. I love it. But yes, connecting. Several thoughts. Yes. That, that's what I was trying to – but, but uh, connecting to people is so big. Like it's like making a connection with the audience, making uh, – being a likable person, not condescending to the other. Right, and also don't shortchange yourself. I mean, there's so much more satisfaction in working on your act and, and improving yourself and improving your your work habits and your work ethics. There's so much more satisfaction of seeing yourself grow in that way and seeing the results on stage um, and your strengthening as a comedian. Because if you just focus on what's wrong with the world and why they don't like you, you're not going to improve. Yeah, and I mean, com- I mean, you're our, going to be bitter. Really. Our our entire life is comedy, just about, and we're always working on new ways to be funny and new things. And I, last night at the club, I had there's a lady that works at the club at Zany's, and she's seen me since day one at Zany's. The very first time I ever performed at Zany's, she's seen me. She's seen me a million times, and last night. She complimented me several times on my set. She just kept saying how great it was. And it's like that to me – I mean I love hearing it and it's very nice. But that to me says what I'm doing is working. I'm I'm performing all the time. I'm practicing all the time. I'm trying to get better. And it's even being noticed by people who have seen me a bunch. You know, mm-hmm. but that's because I'm working at it. I'm working on it all the time. I'm always figuring out, even if it's a joke I've been doing for a long time. I'm always thinking, how can I make this joke better? How can this joke be funnier? You know? Yeah. And I think that all that is so important. All right, you got anything else to say? You want to? You want to do? You want to do? Yeah, a, just no excuses. Yes, I mean, just if you really want to get better. Do not make excuses why you didn't do have a good set. And I just want to say. Trace Adkins has a lot of songs that I that I forgot about. Oh, I love Trace Adkins. But but yes, I mean I, I want to I, I like this I like where we're going with this because I I like to reiterate that this is this is not a thing to say that discrimination doesn't exist because it 100 percent does. I mean a lot of times it does exist, but but it, I have seen it can I've seen every opposite do well in front of their quote unquote opposite crowd, like a crowd that ostensibly is you know the opposite of them in color or politics or age. And I've seen comedians succeed based on the strength of their comedic ability and their comedic prowess. So, and then I've also seen people not do well in front of crowds like that and say it's because the audience had had a vendetta against them. And to me, it's like, no, you just didn't do a good job. There's a huge difference. That's true. That's true. And if you don't want to perform in front of audiences that disagree with you, then just make that decision and decide, okay, I just want to stick with, you know, my uh, specific hit, my specific brand. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But just know that about yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I think that that's been a great advice to comic segment. And I feel like that that you I get fired up. I feel like you're fired up and you I feel like that you want to keep talking about it. But I feel like. We've talked nah, but about I just I just repeat the same thing over and I over I feel like again. we've talked about it for a while, and I'd like to talk about uh, the Oak Ridge Boys. We'll be riding wild fire. But I was listening to them the other day on the plane home, and uh, I found this song. Because I had al- always heard uh, Elvira, you know, Elvira's like this. You know what I mean? Elvira. 
talking to me? Very good song. Now, now the thing about the Oak Ridge Boys is they're a four-part harmony, I guess you call it. So they have all the all the different <laughs> tenor and bass. And Daddy sang bass. Mama sang tenor. And then they have like Leaving Louisiana in the Broad Daylight, which is... All right, great song. It's all about a traveling salesman coming and taking this girl away from Louisiana and people being pissed about it. Now, this is one that me and my dad used to listen to a lot when I was growing up called American Made. I'm just starting these from the beginning. All right, I feel like that song will upset people from the very beginning, uh, but uh, but uh, it's just talking about his baby's American made. My baby is American made, born and bred in the USA from a six. Okay, but my wife's from Canada, so maybe not the best song too. <laughs> yeah. All right, but this is the song that I want. Dusty, wanna... you're such an American guy, except for the fact that you have an immigrant wife. Actually, that kind of makes you super American. I think. Yeah. So this is uh, even dang Trump got an imported wife. This song is called the Y'all Come Back Saloon. Now I had heard this before, but I listened to that this weekend, and it I was like, man, this is a really good song. I mean, with a title like that. All right, so I'm gonna play a little bit of this song. Are you ready? I really enjoy the music segment now of the podcast. I really enjoy just being able to share a few songs by an artist that I like, and I want to tell you. I'm just going to say this again. Trace Adkins, I've been looking back at some of his stuff, and I really didn't even realize he had some of the songs that he has, and I enjoy them a lot. But here we go. Y'all Come Back Saloon by the Oak Ridge Boys. She played tambourine with a silver jingle, and she must have known the words to at least a million tunes. But the one most requested by the man she knew as cowboy was a late night band addiction at the y'all come back saloon in a voice soft and trembling she'd sing her song to cowboy as a smoky halo circled around her raven head and all the fallen angels pinball playing rounders Stop the games that they've been playing for the losers even pray. All right. So that speaks to your soul, huh? I love it. I yeah. love it. I just think those are just just I mean like this song um you know what is this? This song came out in um I mean, the Oak Ridge Boys have so many. Yeah, I mean, Dusty's a good old boy. I mean, his dad was born in 47, but his dad the was born in 1900, right? Yes. So you got some old DNA running around in you. The Y'all Come Back Saloon was, was out in 1977, and it was their first album, and it's just like, I mean... It's just so good. I mean, it's yeah. just me. It's just like it's just four guys just singing, and they have the bass guy and the and, and I don't know. I just love it. I mean, there's so much about country music that I just love, and uh, all music really. I mean, a lot of the uh, blues stuff is is the same way, and a lot of the old Motown stuff. I mean, it's the same guy, same people really. I mean, just a bit of a different perspective, but it's just like just singing and really getting your feelings out there and feel, you know, I mean, I always liked a lot of that. There, there was a song that I liked by the Temptations a lot called the, um, um, oh gosh, let me find it. And, uh, cause I can't think of the name. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. I can't think of it, but this was, um, everyone will know it, I think, but it's, uh, oh, it's not listed as one of their top, top songs here. All right. That's disturbing to me. You can talk a bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's like, you know, words can't describe how much I love the Oak Ridge Boys. They've been a uh, part of my life for for quite some time now. And, uh, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just a rural Canadian really connecting with the Oak Ridge Boys. <laughs> um, you know, y'all come back saloon. I mean, that's something that really speaks to my 
Um, oh, this is it. Yeah. All right, here we go. This is a Temptation song I really like. Oh, well, I like Motown. Yeah, I like this so much better already. I just want people to know I do branch out. So good. Yeah. So good. And it's, you know, I mean, you know, people may not see the connection of the Temptations and the Oak Ridge Boys, but the Temptations is a group of five or six, uh, yeah, five dudes that can sing really well. And the Oak Ridge Boys is four dudes that can sing really well. And they just have, you know, these different perspectives. But but at the end of the day, they're just singing about the things that they like, the things that make them sad, the things that, that they remember as kids. And singing about stuff going on in the world, and uh, I think it's great. I mean, I, I just love those connections, and I love I love that music. And uh, I want to say too that I worked with Kathleen Madigan last night. At- These are the comedians we like, and and. and uh, She's just such a great comic. I mean, Aaron Weber was hosting, and I did a little spot on that. He was hosting, featuring, and I did a little spot on the show. And it's just like Aaron was, you know, he had he was in charge of closing out the show. So we were, uh, you know, sitting in the green room talking and listening to her set, and there were some such noticeable applause breaks during Kathleen's set that Aaron actually got up a couple of times because he thought the show was over. But the show wasn't over. It was just she just hit her joke hit so hard with the audience that that they just uh, they just I don't know several at least three noticeable overwhelming applause breaks and she's just very funny and uh, also very nice and and I like working with her and so I just just want to say that and she's uh, great she is and uh, so I mean I hope. You know, I had a good time doing this podcast. I Sorry, hope. I got fired up and mad at invisible audience members listening to this, but this, yeah, and I mean, because we live in a world that has like all this like self help advice. There's all this advice like Gary Goldman's given out to comedians and stuff like that. And one of his advices was to not listen to people on podcast. And yeah. So, uh, I, I think that's good advice, but uh, it except, is. But I think people, but people are now being told like there's like a way to do everything, and you know th- some advice is obviously helpful, but sometimes you're just not good, or you're you don't know how to make it work. And I feel like there's people I could be included in this category that you just keep pushing and doing it, and it's like what's more upsetting the fact that you spend 20 years doing something that you're just not a natural at and it's not going to happen for you or you quit at 10 years because you're like I don't want to waste any more of my life at this thing that's kind of like destroying my self-esteem a ball of confusion that's what the world is is today but I mean not everyone is the chosen one and sometimes you have to accept that and figure out how you're going to move on with peace in your heart but you know what? At the end of the day, it's most important to just have a good time, and that's what we're doing. We're having a good time, and Hannah's having a good time. I'm having a good time. We're all having a good time. I think this podcast has been evidence that I'm having a very good time. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> now, we are having fun, and we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you're, if check us out this weekend, I'm at Crackers in Indianapolis. Hannah's going to be in Kansas City at Overland Park. Come check us out. We're both headlining this weekend. We both. Uh, I'm not headlining. Oh, you're not headlining. Okay, okay. Well, uh, I'm headlining. Hannah's featuring, and uh, we're going to have a good time. It's going to be very fun. Uh, check me out next Wednesday at Zany's, uh, April 10th, 
Dusty Slay's grand old comedy show. Thank you, guys. We're having a good time.